Grief. We've all been there, and it often involves a significant loss in our lives. In the midst of grief, you may find yourself questioning God's presence, maybe even his existence. In trying to console someone walking through grief, you may struggle to find the words to say. Joining me now for a discussion on navigating the grieving process is Father John Vanderplug, Director of Spiritual Formation at the St. Paul Seminary. Father, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Well, how has the experience of grief, Father, and grief and tragedy in your own life shaped your faith? Uh, it's really hit um, in different ways. One is, as a priest, you're walking with people, and there's a real gift in priesthood of, as you're invited into some of the most intimate moments of a person's life, some of those joyful, but some of those deep suffering. And I think I learned early on, um, sometimes through doing it poorly, of just learning to be in the midst of suffering with others versus trying to fix all of it or control it. And then in my own life, uh, I have a brother who had mental illness and uh, took his own life um, more than 15 years ago. And there was such a kind of ripping with that and a, a movement of pulling away from grief that really I think two things um, came to me that became really important in walking with others too, even shortly after that. One was about a year after that happened, just an experience in prayer where I just had this image of a knife wound in my heart and I was trying to remove it. And I sensed the Lord saying really clearly, like, you're trying to pull this out and I'm trying to turn it into a garden. Huh. And and it, that went along with really an understanding of the Holy Spirit as the consoler um, that Archbishop Martinez talks about in the Sanctifier, that, that the Holy Spirit uh, can enter right into our suffering mm. and transform it in a fruitful way. So I think for me, the notion of suffering in my own life, but also walking with others shifted to see it is an opportunity of fruitfulness where often we just kind of we just kind of see the good times as fruitful and the bad times as I have to escape it. Right. And I think the I, I thank you for sharing both of those uh, both of those ways of looking at grief, and that's what we want to kind of talk about today. Certainly, how to deal with our own grief, but also help how to help others, and specifically in your role uh, in your pastorals as, as as shepherd or pastor, and as you've done that in many parishes around the archdiocese. Just wondering if there are particular ways that you have utilized your own experiences of grief in helping others to deal with their grief. Uh, yes, um, I can think of two ways. One is even right after my brother's death, I had a whole set of tragic funerals, some suicides, some car crashes, but there was both an ability for me to see what was needed there that often, like in something like suicide, people even in the hospitals would feel so bad that they get tentative where the person actually needs, like, how do you be directive? How do you, in a loving way, but, but help them settle into what they need to do or steps to take? But also, I, I think for me, it led to a deeper reflection on, on how 
how we try and escape things on our own to get to the Lord versus letting him into that. And there's one just brief story for me growing up that that I remember where where me and my couple friends would built a little log cabin that was a few dead logs kind of laying on top of each other. But we didn't want someone else going to it, so we've built these ankle traps that <clears throat> others would, uh, if they came, they'd step in this hole that had like sticks and leaves over it. Okay. And then one Saturday, we um, we dug all day and dug this hole that was like 10 feet deep and put big sticks and leaves over it. And our neighbor, Mr. Gearling, was walking toward to work through the alley and fell in the hole. Oh, no. And, uh, and I, I always think of him of, of kind of, uh, an image of how we all are, that he's got broken ribs. He's down in this hole and no way, even if healthy could get out of it. Mm. But, but how for us, we often try and get out in order to be in control kind of thing to get to the Lord where we actually have to let the Lord come into the pain. Yeah. with us. Well, and let's let's drill down into that a little bit then too, Father, because I think oftentimes in our experiences of grief, certainly in my own life, there's been the temptation at least to, well, as I said at the beginning, at the, said at the outset, that we either question God, his presence, are you really here, God, or we flat out just kind of deny that, I mean, this, obviously there isn't a God, you know, kind of just saying, yeah. if there was a God, why would this happen? If there was a good God anyway. So what, right. what would be your recommendation in those types of situations? You mentioned kind of letting God into it. How do we do that? I think one is a disposition of understanding who God is and how he works, um, that he loves, but we're in a fallen world, that, uh, and we've, we've made plenty of choices to participate in that fallenness often. Um, so there's a woundedness that's there, but also all suffering is not is not bad. Mm-hmm. That that anything that's handed over to the Lord can be turned fruitful, um, even our sin. That when I confess it, the Lord can transform it. And Saint John of the Cross really has an understanding that that the Lord can use those moments that are bewildering to us to make space. For him to enter more fully, and Saint Augustine would see that that actually in Jesus on the cross, the nature of suffering has changed. That it changes from just an evil, and it changes to an offering when it's united to Him. So I I think part of it is to know that that it's often a false image we have of God, of abandoning, of rejecting, of where he can actually use everything for love, even things that are painful. Hmm. It's a good reminder, of course, that uh, that he is un- not unfamiliar with suffering himself and that uh, mm-hmm. walking with us through, that he is present with us in those times and can, as you said, Father, work all these things um, for mm-hmm. for redemption, for goodness, even in the midst of it. I think, too, just to maybe put a capstone on that, I think many people who are in grief, perhaps there are those who are listening who are suffering some pretty profound grief right now in their lives. There's a, 
I guess I would ask just are there any any particular practical things that should be done in that sort of situation? I mean, how do we how do we give it over to the Lord? How do we turn it over to him? How do we invite him into our grief? Yes, I think I think one is to be very real. Often we 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 will kind of not acknowledge our grief deeply enough that this is painful and cry out to the Lord, which actually opens the door for him to enter. It's like Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That when I cry out, even when I'm angry or I'm hurt, it can open the door for the Lord to enter. The other thing I think is um, to surrender in the midst of that pain, to cry out to him, to never tire of doing that. Um, and even I find repeating a scripture verse over and over, it's like in Matthew 11, come to me all you who are burdened and I will give you rest. Like the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear from Psalm 27 to just like over and over and over, just chew on that. And the early kind of fathers of the church would do that. Some of the desert fathers mm. would do that, um, that. And then I think to have someone you can share with that that often often a view that well God allowed it he could fix it if he wanted to it becomes kind of an impersonal kind of way of walking that we can be prone to but actually being vulnerable and sharing with someone else um, and crying out to the Lord I think are first steps there. Okay, very good. Thank you for that, Father. And many of us find ourselves in, from time to time in that privileged position where someone has invited us to, into their grief. To They've begun sharing with us. And I know, having been there many times myself, that there's a real struggle sometimes to know what to say or what to do in those situations. Any recommendations maybe on what not to say and not to do when you're being entrusted with someone else's grief? Yeah, I think the things to not say are when we're trying to fix it or explain it. So if someone's suffering interiorly in the heart, to give them just a bunch of theological answers or resolutions doesn't help sure. in the moment, right. even though they might be true. Um, we want to just be with them, really listen to them. So I think one thing is to focus on them versus there can be a... Uh, a preoccupation with what am I going to say, or this is complicated, or it's tender, how do I not mess it up, which is focusing on myself. Mm -hmm. But actually, if I just enter into where they are and and kind of listen and be there with them in the pain is the most important thing, that they're not alone in the pain versus me having the perfect resolution. Right. That they likely didn't choose me because they think I have all the perfect answers. They probably thought I would receive them. And yeah. That they could trust me to share it. Yeah, I get that. And then yet at some point, sometimes there are those who will actually ask you the question, why? Why did this happen to yeah. me? Why did God let this happen to me? But would yeah. you say that even in those times, Father, that it's best not to enter into some sort of try to theologically theologize it uh, in that way? I think it, I think you just want to determine when they're asking it 
like what are they actually asking yeah. so if they are asking that question then it's good to answer okay if they're sometimes someone's in shock and why did this happen to me which they're not actually asking the question even though they're asking the question right, right. so i think determining that would be the biggest thing and then i think when we do answer it we just want to leave room for mystery Sure. That we like very buttoned up things, but there's a mystery and suffering um, yeah. that we don't see. So like Pope Benedict Sixteenth, where he said uh, at Auschwitz, he said, God, how is it you allowed this to be there or something along that sort, where it wasn't this buttoned up answer right. kind of thing. It was more the mystery. So I think to be ready with both. But I'd be cautious because we tend to like the buttoned-up answer. Yeah. And if we're thinking about it too much, it, we can pull it out quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's good advice to be sure. Well, before we ask you for your blessing, Father, just pivoting slightly on your current role there at the seminary. The seminary works to form joyful Catholic leaders. And now when we're speaking about grief, it might seem that joy and grief, uh, that they're polar opposites, but... Let me ask you, how would you say the experience of one influences the experience of the other? Uh, joy and grief can actually go side by side. Any of the fruits of the Spirit, peace, love, and grief can go side by side. It's actually like the inordinate pursuit of pleasure and fruitfulness that don't go side by side. Hmm. But we actually think that is what will bring us happiness. But it never does. Mm -hmm. But actually, I can be in grief if I'm with the Lord and actually have a deep stability and peace together because he's there. So I think part of with grief, one of the biggest things to ask and be aware of is one, to be aware of what's going on interiorly and what the truth of who I am, who God is, right. um, what the church teaches. But then, then also to just ask the question, Am I sitting alone in this? Hmm. Um, am I letting the Lord be with me in this? Because often a lot of the unnecessary pain from suffering comes from me viewing myself as sitting alone. Yeah. Well, the great friendship of the Lord and the people he has placed in our lives are great gifts to us, especially in times of grief. Father Vanderplug, it's been great to speak with you on this uh, very important topic today. Before we let you go, may we have a blessing from you, please? Yes. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, once again, Father, thank you for taking the time to be with us today on Practicing Catholic and talking about these very important things. God bless you in your continuing ministry there at the St. Paul Seminary. All right. Thank you. God bless you. If you'd like to stay up to date with everything going on at the St. Paul Seminary, of course, their website is St. Paul Seminary, all spelled out, stpaulseminary.org.